Hello, and welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max, and this week I have the, the, the introductions all to myself. In this episode, we will be finishing our discussion of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. In last week's episode, we covered the origin of Shang-Chi in Marvel Comics of the 1970s, uh, highly uh, inspired by Bruce Lee films and Kung Fu films generally. We also discussed the kind of problematic nature that Marvel introduced to the comic book by incorporating a bunch of Sax Romer characters. Sax Romer wrote the Fu Manchu series, which was was a part of the Yellow Scare, Yellow Spectre, Yellow Pulp tradition of Pulp Fiction, and uh, we discussed the way the film was received worldwide, and how it was sort of surprising the way it was received in different places. If you missed any of that, I definitely suggest you dive into that episode before you listen to this one. We discuss those things, we discuss a lot more, uh, we discuss probably the first two acts of the film, maybe not quite that much, but quite a bit of the film. So jump in there, and without further ado, I give you Jason and myself having brilliant things to say about this very interesting movie. It, it occurs to me, audience, that I should probably provide a brief recap of what Jason and I were discussing before I turn you loose on the rest of the episode. When we last spoke with you, we were discussing the latest dramatic turn, uh, a pivotal moment in the film, when Shang-Chi, his sister Ling, and Shang-Chi's friend, Katie, uh, are reunited with their father, uh, with whom they had been estranged for most of the film. Not Katie. She had not been estranged from their father. She is meeting him for the first time, in fact, in these scenes. So, without further ado, here's the movie. Yes. Now, some of the old dynamic starts up, and you can kind of see the pain on Chi Ling's face because he doesn't talk to her during this scene. Yes, yes. And and that, that dynamic, I mean, it's almost, you know, you see this in dysfunctional families. Sometimes you probably see this more than I do as, as it's part of your profession. But, like, sometimes when these dysfunctional families get together as adults or whatever, you see the same dynamics reassert, right? Yeah. And, and so... But immediately she's like, I mean, it's 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 clear to us, the audience, that he's happy to have both of his children there. But yes. he doesn't he doesn't acknowledge his daughter, you know. And and I I mean, for me, I was like, oh, that sucks because uh, I felt so bad for Zhi Ling. Um, but but he's like, it's time for you guys to come home, you know. And and he was like, and I think Shang Chi says something like, how'd you find us? And he's and and he confesses, oh, I never I never didn't know where you guys were, yeah. you know. Um, does he ever acknowledge his daughter's uh? Rise to power. I mean, her own criminal enterprise. Not, not that I noticed. I mean, so it's very, you know, one of the real virtues of the film. I noticed what you were talking about that that she was very hurt by the fact that he didn't really acknowledge her, but at the same time, he did. Like, you know, she, she was definitely she was part of the family. Yeah. His, but his acknowledgement of her was kind of in this maybe maybe old fashioned kind of way that well, you're my daughter, but you're not you're not the one that's going to get things done yeah you're not the heir you're not the heir but i mean he definitely wanted her there as well oh yeah i mean he loves her obviously yeah but his, his whole his whole dynamic his his whole worldview shifts after his wife dies well but see okay he does not love shang chi more than her no he expects more of shang chi because it's because in his perspective, as you just said, he's the heir. He's the one who is uh, who he trained to to be 
see that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he brings them back to his compound, uh, the Tin Rings compound. And, you know, it, it's it's grown a bit since Shang-Chi was there. And he has dinner with him. And this is where we get some of his backstory. And we get some of the backstory about what happened to his mother, which, you know, she she sent the kids away. So these bad guys come to kill, to, to take a hunk of flesh uh, out of Win Wu if they can't have him, right? And she uh-huh. leans on their quote-unquote honor and says, well, let me let me send the kids away and, you know, you can have me. And she basically goes out like Boromir. Yeah, yeah. And poor Shang-Chi has to watch all this, right? And we also find out that later on that Win Wu is a little bitter that Shang-Chi didn't do anything to help his mother. Yeah. You know, which again shows how unhealthy this burden that he puts on his son actually is right it was yes chang chi could have done for his mother except distract yeah. her and make her less effective yeah and, totally uh, this is, which is why she sent him away that's probably why he heaps some of the cruelty of death dealer on on his son you know but it's interesting he he wants to heap the responsibility of the tin rings onto his son who doesn't want this and at the dinner after we learn about his backstory which again kind of helps us really get in katie's shoes because because this is all crazy and he's he's almost talking to her in this scene yeah he's talking to her in this scene yes and and so talking to us because she's our surrogate it, what i found interesting is that he wants to he wants shang chi to be a leader in the organization shang chi doesn't want it but his daughter does and he ignores her yeah and i sort of wanted them to, I, I wanted them to explore why he doesn't want his daughter to do any of these things a little bit more in the script because i was wondering does he not want to want her involved because she reminds him of his wife is 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 this something but we find out that's not the case because shang chi actually reminds him a lot of his wife she he looks like her a little bit yeah and, and so that's one of the reasons why he sort of he loves his son but he also resents his son which is a which we find is a terrible terrible trait in a parent <laughs> um but but i can't remember what happens somehow shang chi and uh uh, Jiling aggravate him, don't they? And they end up in like a little prison or something like that, a little jail cell. Or are they, or are they? Well, just, how does this happen? I can't remember how that happens. Well, he tells them their pl- his plan. Yeah. That he um, he's he's discovered that his wife is still alive. Yes, yes, yes. Though she isn't. Yeah. And but she's been calling to him, and so he's been planning this this um, this assault on her the village that she came from because those people are preventing her return, and so he wants his son and his daughter to help him release their mother so that they can all be a fan. So that's that's. This is why he's my favorite villain right now in the Marvel universe. Because 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 his motivation, though very misguided, yes, it is um, makes total sense. Uh, because uh, now now he was at one time kind of a nasty character. He was yes yes. But then then he, then he was no longer a nasty character, and so it's it's very interesting. Though he has gone back to some of his original instincts in terms of behavior, yeah. his love for his wife and his children is still the primary driving force of his life. Well, and 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 I want to I want to hang here for a moment because I didn't know what was going to happen here. I wondered as this tale was unfolding if this was some line of bullshit that Wu was giving the kids so that he could go back to being the the bad guy, the ruler of the world, right? Right. So I was very gratified that it wasn't a line of bullshit that he was giving his kids because when we see him hearing the voice of his wife you're like we we know at this point when he hears the voice of his wife that it's not her right yes. but you totally understand every
everything about him. And you can almost you can almost forgive him yeah. because of that, you know. And I, I think that's what makes him such such an interesting villain because like his his end goal isn't bad. Based on his perception. Absolutely. Um uh, he's a lot no, I he's a lot like Colonel Nicholson from The Bridge in the River Kwai. We spend most of the movie of The Bridge in the River Kwai backing what Colonel Nicholson is doing, but in the end, what he's doing is not good. Yeah. You know, he you know, he's 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 doing something contrary to if he was in his right mind, he wouldn't be doing. Yeah. And that's yeah, to me, Wen Wu is Colonel Nicholson from the Bridge. Well, I think I you know that's such a I think that's such an apt comparison because they'll actually describe the same character arc. Luckily, most of our listeners haven't seen Bridge on the River Kwai, so they won't know what that is. But uh, but they refuse to help him with that because they both they're like, yeah, mom's dead, dad. You know, uh, sorry, it's just that's the way it is. But he's like, no, I need you guys to believe me. But you know, look, it's okay. You don't. I'm gonna go to the village. I'm going to unlock the gate that they protect and where they're holding your mom, and I'm gonna get her out. And then you guys are gonna see. I mean, basically, he's like, you guys are gonna see that I'm right, and we're gonna have her mom back, and then you'll forgive me for all this because we're going to be a family again and you know they're they feel bad because their dad's clearly lost his fucking mind because when you start listening to the voices in your head you fuck you fucked up and so but they can't they don't really think they can do much about it but but for the intervention of the most amazing thespian trevor slatterly um my name is trevor trevor slatterly <laughs> Yes, yes. And um, this is this is the Iron Man connection. This was a pleasant surprise that Ben Kingsley would reprise his role as Trevor Slatterly, a.k.a. the Mandarin, um, who was being held prisoner for offending Win Wu for taking the role of the leader of the Ten Rings. And he's basically a court jester until Win Wu decides what to do with him. But it's but but this is interesting to me because just the fact that Trevor Slatterly is alive indicates that Win Wu isn't the guy he was before he met. Yes. <laughs> you know his wife and and he's even a little amused when he tells the story to the to katie about you know you know this guy pretended to be me well so i i have to say i i don't want to say that ben kingsley's the best actor in this film because this movie is very well acted yeah but um this might be in this academy award winning actor's career the most awe-inspiring performance of his career because he, he won a best actor for gandhi he was in schindler's list ben Kingsley can do anything and will do anything and will that comic timing uh, screen presence I I'm not sure if I have ever been in such awe of Ben Kingsley as I was and, and he's I mean he does this in Iron Man 3 I get that but here he comes back like not a day has passed and does everything that's asked of him and 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 builds this chemistry with whoever he has to build chemistry with and I, I I well so amused and so happy with his presence and his performance that uh, I I can't even tell. You. Well, it's interesting. We we get the sense that Trevor Slatterly has lost even a little bit more of his mind in the intervening years. He hangs out with. This is another thing I quite like about the movie is that it sort of leans into mythological creatures from China, like this with this weird yes without a head that is hanging out with him. Um, I think Aquafina's Katie calls it like a butt chicken or something like that because it looks like yeah yeah i mean and when they so he hangs out with this like it's a cgi thing but it's really gloriously done and somehow ben kingsley makes you believe that this butt chicken is in the room with him and it talks to him and one of my favorite moments is like when katie says what is that and he was like oh thank god i'm not the only one who sees it <laughs> he's pretty sure he's going crazy and it's uh they kind of touch base with him and like uh 
he's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm a prisoner of your father's. I, I, you know, I, I entertain him. And Katie's like, so you're like a jester. Yeah, that's what I do, I guess. Um, and then I think it's either Zhiling or uh, Shang-Chi who says until he decides to kill you. Maybe, yeah, something like that. And then they, they explain what they need to do. Do you know any way out of here? And he's like, oh, there's no way out of here. But then I think the butt chicken tells them how to get out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's at that point where they they have to, they, they've learned how to get into the forest safely, the, this forest of bamboo where his mother's village was. And uh, they steal a hot rod. Does Katie drive it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, because Katie, we get the sense that Katie's a bit of a of an insurance risk for the hotel. Yes. yes. Uh, she's not a person they should have hired to be a valet. Um, but uh, she's a good driver. She gets them through this, through the maze, uh, uh, thanks to the butt chicken's guidance and her driving skills. Because the forest is, this is the basically fanghorn, but in bamboo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they get to the village and none of the kids are surprised to discover that their mom isn't in the village and that she's dead. But they find their mother, their auntie, right? Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Played by Michelle Yeoh. This is where they kind of touch base for the the the, the third act. They're like, hey, my dad's coming. He thinks you guys are holding my mom. They're like, no, your mom's dead. Yeah, we know, but he thinks that. So he's going to come in and he's going to unlock this gate. And that's when they feed, that's when they tell him, oh, we can't do that because behind the gate is this tempter, this ancient demon that this village has imprisoned with the help of a dragon. Uh, and sadly, they never give the dragon a name. Of course, Marvel fans were all hoping that it was Fin Fang Foom, who audience right now is, maybe you don't know this, maybe not, but Fin Fang Foom started out as a villain in early Marvel history, but now runs a restaurant in New York, which makes me quite happy. But but anyway, uh, so they give, they say, well, what's happening is, is what's happening, is what has happened before, this this demonish, this this almost, sorry, this, uh, this creature's almost... Uh, Oh gosh, who who did Cthulhu? Um, Why can't I think the 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 the, the father of cosmic horror? Uh, oh, the name is on the tip of my tongue. I will cut out all of my uh, stammering here. H.P. Rockefeller, H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. But but this creature is almost Lovecraftian, right? it's kind of a cosmic entity that's deadly. Yeah. Um, but it tempts people to try and overcome this village to let it out so that it can suck everybody's soul out and become more powerful. Yes. And their father doesn't realize that, that that's what's going on. He thinks he's hearing his wife. And so they prepare. We have a nice little montage of training and preparation. Michelle Yeoh is, is uh, teaching Shang-Chi who comes up to her and says, you guys' style beat my dad. You need to show me how I do that. And this is this is great because we get like a little bit of preparation and so we get some great scenes of him training with Michelle Yeoh we get some great scenes of of Ji Ling kind of coming into her own and letting go of some of her animosity about being neglected by her father right and being herself and right. Katie tries to learn how to fight with her friends right and Trevor Slatterly tries to learn how to hide in plain sight in the conflict to come and uh, and he's quite effective at that because he's an act what he does this is my greatest role this is all great but then we get the horror of of Shang-Chi. He, he and Katie have a talk the night before the great battle. And this is kind of a cliche too, but we've seen this scene in some form in a lot of different ways over the years. But I thought this was particularly warm and emotional when Shang-Chi was like, 
I didn't fail that mission my dad sent me on. I did kill the guy he sent me to kill. And after that, he's like, I knew I couldn't go back. I, I didn't want any part of my dad's life. And and it's interesting because she, uh, Simu Liu does a great job of conveying the guilt that Shang-Chi still carries for murdering somebody who may have deserved it, right? Who may have deserved killing. You know, if his dad's information was right, the guy probably deserved it. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, and now tomorrow I'm going to have to kill my dad. I, 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 and I thought he does a, he, he does a great job of that. And a lesser film would have tried to have Katie relieve that scene with comedy, but it doesn't do that. And I thought, well, that's, that's, that was smart, you know? Yeah. And then of course the next day we have a, a, you know, we have the hero battle. I think this is all well done. Uh, so this, this creature, I can't remember what they call it, but it, it has a l- bunch of little denizens that go out and steal souls. Yes. And, and when it does that, it takes them back and it helps the creature become more powerful. And so we have our first half of the battle, which is where our hero almost loses, right? So Shang-Chi and his dad have a pretty good fight and he's given his dad some good business with the the staff and he's dealing with his dad's 10 rings of power, but his dad gets the upper hand and sends him into the lake and then he's the it's wide open for him. He can go open the gate and let out the demon. What did you think? So that's the first act. What did you think of the first act of this fight of the of the of the village fight? Well, I mean, this is the climax of the film. This is um, what everything's been building up to. I, I thought it was great. I actually thought that the film leading up to this, having this final fight where, you know, you have this um, this mysterious door. It's established for us that this is not good. This is not really his wife's voice that he's hearing. Almost this kind of vampire-like. Yeah, yeah. Or siren song yeah. uh, kind of element to it that, that I really like. And you have this village of these kind of almost semi divine characters almost like elves from a tolkien story yeah yeah yeah. there's a lot of urgency in the battle oh yeah it's yeah well and you have all these little mini stories these kind of sub sub experiences you know slattery and katie and all these different characters with different skill sets different experiences that they expect to have there's you know comedic touches here and there well there's there's an interesting thing that's happened in the training montage where katie has taken up the bow right and, and she's they, not she's not expected or invited initially. Yeah, and she's like, "Well, I'm not going to not fight with my friends." And right. so the 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 bow instructors like her yeah. so much that they don't want her to fight. And but they'll teach her. They teach her uh, a bit, you know. But but when the day of the battle comes and she picks up the bow, the instructor who's been like, "You're not ready," basically just says, "Don't die." <laughs> <laughs> and and this this actor I, his his name is Wa Yun and he uh he does a really good job of conveying that he likes the, the he doesn't have a lot of lines he doesn't have he, he just has a lot of like body actions that he does and uh-huh. it's it's neat that he's done enough that when he dies almost immediately after telling her that that it's shocking to us and we're sad that it's happened yeah you know um so Shang Chi has been knocked into this water this body of water before the gate and things are looking dark for our heroes. The gate is weakening and Wu still doesn't realize he's he's the patsy for a giant Cthulhu-like demon. Um, and beneath the water, the dragon of legend that they talked about has awakened. The dragon was what helped them put that thing in there in the first place. And it seems to have picked a new champion and it, it saves Shang-Chi. I can't remember exactly how, but then it leaps up out of the water and then we get like the final act of the battle where it drops Shang-Chi off to fight his father 
and it goes after all these little demon things that have been released from the gate so far. I loved all of these effects. I thought they all worked really well. I, I had no problem with any of these 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 uh, this this scene. I, I loved every minute of it actually, and I like the fight that that Shang Chi and his dad have. But what I really like is after the gate opens up and the and the evil demon is released, Tony Leung's uh, Leung's acting does so much work here when he's like, "Oh, I've really fucked up." Yeah. And the demon doesn't see him as the threat. It does see Shang-Chi as the threat and it, it moves to attack him first, right? Yes. And this is where uh, Win Wu, you know, realizes he's made a mistake and he demonstrates that, you know, he was, he wanted to be a good father in, in the way, he, I mean, he sacrifices himself to save Shang-Chi. And I, I really like that scene where where, where, he's, where he pushes Shang-Chi out of the way before he's attacked and he lets his soul be destroyed. Yeah. And but but I, I thought I, I just I really have to credit Tony Leung for the way he he has to convey a lot in a short amount of time with a very few words and I just think I think he sells this scene really well. Well, he, he's astoundingly good from start to finish. Uh, he's got great screen presence and, and he really plays a villain that that has to have a lot of um, has to convey a lot of danger, but also a lot of relatability, yeah, and activity, and he does all of that. Yeah, well, we empathize with him, and and he's somebody we. Feel sorry for. I mean, I think he's one of the one. He's he's Loki like in his complexity. I think he's a neat guy. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, and then then we get the final act and and Shang Chi and the dragon and I want to say Ji Ling, his sister, go after the big demon. And uh, but it's Katie who who delivers the denouement to the creature, right? With her with her shot from the bow. Roll credits. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? <laughs> I mean, audience, you've seen a lot of this. Um, I think what Jason and I are going to tell you is that this this action, this last action beat lives up to what it needs to because it has to be better than the action beats prior to this. And it does do that, I think. No, I no, absolutely. I think as a climax, this delivers and it's almost unexpected. Yeah. You know, this film blends kind of and I guess we haven't really talked about this. This film blends kind of traditional martial arts action scenes with fantasy action scenes. Yes. In a way that is so delightful and rewarding and, and really, it's just really enjoyable. And uh, one of the things we didn't say and one of the things that I noticed was the combination of the Western dragon and the Eastern dragon. Uh, and so in mythology, uh, dragons in the East are often good and, and friendly. And it's in the West, in, in, in European mythology, the dragons are selfish and, you know, guard treasures. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I, I dare say that what was uh, in the screenplay, they were trying to depict that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, you know, the East versus the West, and the Eastern dragon is the good dragon. I mean, they, they don't lean into it. No, 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 no. But 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 I guess that that might be a, that might be a problem with the marketing of the film in the in uh, in Asia. Yeah. But, um, that wasn't obvious enough. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. I yeah. no, I was I was so delighted by this, and and especially I was delighted by the the comedy beats of uh, Ben Kingsley in this moment where where he and uh, he's acting. Huh? He's acting. He's playing. Yeah, the, the, where the butt chick is like starting to move, and he's like, "No, don't move. We're playing dead. It's acting, darling. You know, or something like that." No, it's brilliant, and uh, I mean, I was delighted by all this. So that takes us to the end. Uh, we find out that the the person who is who did not who who, who Wu didn't look to to lead his organization now leads the organization. Shang Chi has returned to the states and kind of has to decide what he's going to do next with his life. And they tell Katie and Shang Chi tell 
tell their friends about all of this at the at dinner. Everything that's happened, and this is this is a, this is a, a nice comedy beat because the friends are just like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" <laughs> right. and, and they don't really believe it. And as they're talking, they both kind of, as, as Katie and Shang Chi are talking, they both kind of stop because behind them a magic portal opens up, and Wong steps out and says, "Shang Chi, come on, we have to talk." And you two, he says to Katie, and everybody in this restaurant like is sees this. <laughs> And Shang-Chi just, I think, says to the, their their friends, like, oh, I guess we got to go. And and it's that the, the look of shock on their friends' faces at the end when they realize, oh, my God, everything they just told us is true. And then and then, the, then, then several people come to look at the tin rings that are now in Shang-Chi's possession. And it's in, the, in the end credits scene, I think we have Wong, Captain Marvel, and Bruce Banner all kind of examining the rings. Yeah. And this, this doesn't necessarily point to any clear direction, just that Shang-Chi is going to be an important part of the Marvel Universe. That's all I get out of this, really. Yeah. Three major players, and you know, we're going to see more of Shang-Chi, which makes me happy. Jason, you got something to say? I see, before I ask you. Yeah, I, I, you know, we've talked about a lot of the virtues of this movie, but um, some of the quote-unquote shallow virtues is that this film does so many things. When If you're going to make a good blockbuster, you've got to have great action scenes, great music, which we have not touched on and I, I actually loved the score even though the the, the composer Joel P. West yeah. I've never heard of couldn't find any information about but I, I love the score. This is a first where Jason has not been able to find out the everything you could want to know about a composer down to their DNA sequences. Jason <laughs> understands this yeah, Well this is true but I mean I mean this is I yeah I, I was mystified by this but did you like the score? I, I loved the score. I loved Loved the score. I, I I I loved it immensely. I I found it to be very sweeping. I found it to be appropriate. Uh, I quite liked I quite liked the selection of uh, for lack of a better term pop tunes that they would insert into the film. So you have uh, you have the yeah. score. I, I, I don't I don't listen to as much rap as I used to or hip hop or anything like that. It's not that I I can't appreciate it or anything like that. It's just not something that's in my rotation. But I thought that every uh, quote unquote pop song or contemporary song that they used was quite appropriate to the to the movie yeah, I, I thought it really worked i totally agree totally agree but also like i i i feel like the best blockbusters are able to kind of have little humorous moments that are able to cap to kind of capture everybody and i i really like how and i mentioned this earlier which is the film does it mentions it earlier mm-hmm. there's a payoff at the end so now i'm gonna have a payoff that you have the the um um the karaoke earlier in the film and then you have Katie saying that, well, you know, when I'm threatened, I just uh, I just start singing Hotel California and, and that next people. And then we have this great kind of it's not quite post credits, but it's it is a post credits scene where Wong says, you have been through a lot. Now you must rest. Like, yeah, yeah, we do need to rest. Or then we have this hard cut to Wong with our two heroes singing Hotel California at a karaoke bar cut to credits and the the the, the studio version of Hotel California by the Eagles, which is just a really funny, it has nothing to do with the film. Oh, but it has everything to do with the characters. Yes, and when that happened, it, it just was like, you know, this this is a really, really, really well-made blockbuster film. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and because because it does even those little things right. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad you brought up that scene. I... I, I... 
couldn't think of how it was, it was hilarious it was no hilarious. it's great i don't know if you experienced this but i do one of the great things about a gag like that is that it gives the viewer a moment to envision what's about to happen next yeah. and you're like oh yes they did you know and you you kind of like swept up in 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 the moment because the film gave you a second to say oh they're gonna cut to the karaoke bar yeah. you know what i mean it, 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 there's something about letting the viewer in on the joke just a hair before the joke lands that i think can really make a scene like that make an editing uh make editing comedy really fun right yeah um i bet you're right i mean the film nails it so should we go into the verdict yes who wants to go first doesn't matter okay And the verdict. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Ring. I, I would give a very enthusiastic review. I am not going to say anything negative at this point. I um, Those of you who have listened to this podcast, you heard my words of wisdom. You realize the wisdom of those words and you realize that I was right. But I, I would have to say that uh, all that aside, just kind of the, the obligatory blockbuster blueprint that this film has is not, is not a strike against it. This is a very, very very, very well done blockbuster. And I'm not anti-blockbuster and Max, I, I, I just, I know this about Max. He, he'll, he will agree with me on this. There's nothing wrong with a good blockbuster. And this is a good blockbuster. It, it, it's, it's, it, it is done very well. It has no, it, it really does have no missteps. Everything that I said was an, a narrative criticism that maybe I would have preferred to see a film do it that way. But this film doesn't really make, it doesn't do anything wrong in terms of humor, in terms of performances in terms of uh, character development, action scenes, for the most part, special effects. Um, I did see a few that I think might not age well, but I'll let time sort that out. This is a really good film. Uh, I will predict that Max is going to make the mistake of saying it's his favorite Marvel film, and, and he will be wrong if he says that. But um, this is definitely in the upper tier of a great, great series that maybe maybe the best is yet to come, in, in you know, despite of what has been given to us uh, so far so i i highly would recommend this to anybody who wants to have a good time uh with a great action film now before i lead with before i close out the show with the proper verdict um <laughs> Uh, in my defense, I, I probably will say what he says, but after I, I said that this was my favorite Marvel film after we watched it in my household and my son said, you say that after every Marvel film. <laughs> so, so my favorite Marvel film is a fluid thing. Um, but what I will say about Shang-Chi is this, and this is my verdict. This is a great action film and you can see it whether you've seen any of the other Marvel films now, because it does fill in some of the story that you need to know if you haven't seen a lot of Marvel films or if you're not, if you're not a superhero fan this is a great marvel this is a great film yes. it's a, a great action film because it leans into several different filmmaking types of kung fu film and it is in many ways the perfect representation of what marvel was trying to do imperfectly back in the 70s which was to create a accessible fun anybody can pick it up kung fu comic and this is sort of the perfection of that attempt you know with a lot more input from a, a lot of different kinds of people 
Uh, uh, to me, this movie sort of, uh, it, it's a great Marvel film, but it's also just a great action film. If you are a fan of Kung Fu movies, you will really like the Marvel approach to that genre in this, in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Like Jason, I say, see it. And if you don't like it, uh, go fuck yourself. Jason, do you have any idea what we're doing next week? Who chooses? It's It's gotten mixed up. Oh, I don't know. Well, can I, can I throw out some things for you? Please do. My daughter wants to join us. Uh, Anya, our sometimes co-host, wants to join us on Closing Out Part 2 of He-Man at some point oh, in the future. Yeah. Um, she wants us to tackle... Oh, gosh. Hold on here. She wants us to tackle the latest Edgar Wright movie. Um, let me see what that is. I've watched it. It's, it's amazing. Um, Last Night in Soho. Yeah. And But, Jason, what I want to do next, because the holidays are coming and we're going to have to have a short recording. I was... I, I happened to buy Netflix tonight and I saw on Netflix, now streaming, a show of great antiquity, but classic lines like a black car with a red light that goes back and forth back and forth and I was wondering Jason if you wouldn't want to tackle this classic car the first episode of Knight Rider starring David Hasselhoff uh, we're going to have to have a short recording next week because it's the holidays episode one of Knight Rider are you up for it <laughs> okay now Jason before we before we let you go um, before we let me go too, I don't think Jason's going to make it he's going to be laughing until we get to this <laughs> I remember watching Knight Rider religiously and I remember you were quite a fan of Knight Rider too am yeah, I remembering yeah. this right yeah no uh, Kit versus Car Kit versus Car I don't know if the show is going to live up to the legend in our memories but it should be fun to tackle totally alright guys so there you go I didn't know if Jason would go along with that it was a, oh well I'm I mean, all of our fans in Germany are going to just love it. Excellent, excellent. Um, and so, so, and there's some ideas also for the future uh, episodes of the show. All right, folks, uh, share us with your friends, share us on social media, share us with uh, Facebook, the Netflix, the no, not on the Netflix, the uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams. Text us to your friends, email us, like mirage your email list. Just share our links promiscuously, and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, you can reach us at lordmovies39 uh, gmail.com. You fuckers never do. And that's all I got. I hope you enjoyed the show, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.